Good morning, everybody. Man, it's so, so good to see you. Um, thanks for just making River Tree uh, a special morning here as we gather together and worship. Welcome those that are at the downtown campus. And I just want to say, I'm just, just grateful for you. Uh, you may be aware a few weeks ago, there was an elder at each campus that just stood up, gave a quick announcement that I would be taking a little time more towards my family and a little less uh, involvement at the church for a few weeks, uh, just to give me some time to do some things at home and address some, some needs and uh, concerns that were happening with my family. And I just say thank you. Uh, it was, it's been um, your, your prayers, uh, your encouragement uh, have just been perfect uh, through this season. And uh, taking a little time away um, was just a gift and uh, just continues to make me grateful for this body and for this leadership here and uh, to be part of the church. And made me as well excited that when an opportunity came back to, to preach and to be uh, part of the Sunday morning and teaching again, that I just was like, okay, Lord, this will be, uh, it's going to be exciting for me in, in, a, in a new and fresh way. And it, it certainly has been. So love you guys. Just thank you for uh, the time away and just what this church has meant to me and my family, uh, certainly over the last couple months. We love you guys. Uh, I'm excited about Christmas and what we're going to get to do over the season just to see uh, the decorations up and the lights up. Maybe that's already happened in your home. Uh, we quickly moved through Thanksgiving and we're like setting up Christmas trees and uh, decorations like early in the week. I was late last year. It was probably about December 12th or 13th before any decorations uh, by me were put out. And so the family decided I was no longer in charge of the holidays. Uh, they moved quickly into this holiday week and uh, began to get us ready and excited about Christmas. And so my hope is that you're going to experience that too, that over the next few Sundays, the passage that we're going to look at is really rich and deep. And honestly, to, to not preach for a few weeks and then to jump into John chapter one, which may be one of the most dense theological passages uh, in scripture, uh, became exciting for me. And, and I just want to say it's been doing a good work in my heart. And so I want it to do a good work in your heart as well. So John chapter one, that's what we're going to pick up this morning. Morning. And I want to read the full uh, prologue here, 1 through 18, and then we're going to just look at a, a, a particular part of this passage this morning. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So this section of John's gospel, it's called the prologue. Again, it's, it's kind of one of, the, the, one of the, the richest, kind of most wonderful sections of scripture that talk about the identity of Jesus and, and, and the purpose of Jesus. St. Augustine said that the prologue should be written in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. Uh, church fathers throughout history have looked at this section of scripture and said that John's words are so divine, so heavenly, that they're, they're beyond what a human could write. Truly, truly inspired what we read in this passage. And, and John chapter one gives us a way to move towards Christmas. It gives us a chance to understand like, what are we doing when we gather around the story of a child being born in, and kind of laid in a manger and, and the, the activities of shepherds and wise men and Mary and Joseph, like what's happening and how do we begin to understand the purposes of God and have the priorities of our own lives reshaped and moved because of what's happening through this moment where John says that the, the word came and dwelt among us. So I love this passage, and I hope that over the next few weeks, kind of leading up to Christmas, like it's gonna be something that you also fall in love with and does a good work in you. So I just wanna look really at the first few verses. You're gonna see one through three here, and we're probably gonna focus in on just, just the first two verses. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. As John sets out in this section, the most important thing he wants us to understand is the identity of the word. He says, in the beginning was the word. And he, he brings this, this interesting title, this interesting designation, and he wants us to know who is this. And to know who John is talking about right at the beginning is important. And we see who John is talking about because in verse 14, John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father. So John wants us to know from the very beginning in verse one that the word is Jesus. That's who the word is. That's who he's, he's describing. From the very beginning, the one that was in the beginning, the one that was with God, that was God, that, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word. I love the way John opens up his gospel because it's different than the way that we tell stories. When, when you and I tell a story, uh, we often will read a story or hear a story, tell a story, and, and the main character we get introduced to, but the main character has a certain bit of mystery to them. There's things about the main character that you don't always know until later into the story. Take that romantic comedy, 1999, She's All That, with Freddie Prince Jr. And Freddie Prince Jr. sees the girl, the main character, and we don't know if she can really be the prom queen until about 15 minutes left in the movie where she takes off her glasses, lets down her hair, wears the dress, and then we know, right? She can do it, she can pull this off, she can be the prom queen. Or take that young boy who's farming moisture on Tatooine, right? He just wants to grow up. 
He just wants to be a pilot. He just wants to see the stars. And you don't know in that moment that his dad is actually taking over the galaxy by force. You see, you see what I did there? By force. Like, these are the stories that we hear and that we tell. Right? You get to know the main character, but there's something still mysterious about them. You're finding out that they're humble or they're down to earth. You don't know that they're royalty yet. But John does something very different when he tells his gospel. John tells us right out of the gate the identity of Jesus. He doesn't just tell us that Jesus is this kind of unknown king, this undiscovered king. He's telling us he's God, that he's God in the flesh, that he's here. We, we have this way of kind of hiding the, the character and letting this reveal happen later. John gives you the great reveal right up front, and it's meant to surprise us. It's meant to confound us. It's meant to adjust our thoughts and our attitudes about everything else that's gonna follow right from the very beginning. John wants to tell you who Jesus is right out of the gate, and then he's gonna give you the rest of the gospel to show you it, to point back to it, to what he said from the very beginning, that Jesus is this word that was in the beginning, that was with God, that was God. From the very beginning, John wants to change everything in us everything in our thoughts about God and in our heart towards him. John says, in the beginning, in the beginning. What was it like in the beginning? That's a great question. People still kicking that around. What, what was happening in the beginning? What was it like? Was there matter in the beginning? Was it just energy? Huntsville's a pretty smart place filled with scientists. Lots of people pondering, asking questions, inquiring we send rockets into space. We send satellites and probes out to gather more information. We can even create a telescope that will show us how the galaxy is expanding. It's, it's moving away from itself. And so you can then do the math and to begin to think about what that means if you begin to kind of track backwards that maybe you can actually talk about how the galaxy began. What was happening in the beginning? John says, Jesus. Jesus was the one in the beginning. Paul highlights this as well. Colossians chapter one, verse 16. He says, for by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Man, what a massive passage about who Jesus is in this, in the beginning. And when John sets out to talk about in the beginning, to any Israelite, to any kind of Hebrew mind, it should be echoing something earlier, right? In the beginning, where have we heard that before? John's readers have gone all the way back to the very first book of God's word, the very first book of the Bible, the very first statement, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God spoke. So John, in starting his good news about Jesus with this phrase, in the beginning, is taking the reader back to this place where God was, where God's word went out, where God's word was creative. Isaiah talks about this aspect of God's word. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so in my word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return empty or void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purposes that I sent out. In the Hebrew mind, when, God's, when God spoke, it was as good as done. 
a word and a deed, word and action, they went together. And you see this as God is just speaking. Things are happening. Action's taking place. Things are forming. Creation is coming, to, coming true. When John says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying something about who Jesus is, that he is the creator, that he is creative, that he's eternal. And, and now, John's not just echoing back to Genesis, but John's saying like, God is doing something so profound and something so new and recreative through Jesus. It's like it's a new beginning. It's like we're all being born again. It's like the world is changing. The world is being remade. The world is becoming new. Like, that's what John, just in, in the beginning, just that alone is, is kind of this great echo of the beginning creator creative moving into our time, into our present. In the beginning was the word. Now, it's not just the Hebrew mind that would have had fireworks going off with this, but the Greek mind as well. About 600 years prior to Jesus, uh, Greek philosophers were always pondering about life, the purpose of life, how life worked. Uh, and there was one philosopher, Heraclitus, 600 years prior to Jesus, who pontificated that if you stepped in a river twice, it was no longer the same river. In other words, you could put your foot in a river and take it out and then put your foot back in the river again, but it was a different river at the second time. It wasn't the same river because of life, because of movement, because of the current. Everything had changed. And yet, he said, the world is constantly changing, but it doesn't seem to be in chaos. The world is constantly moving. There's constant current. There's constant motion, but it doesn't seem to be chaotic. It doesn't seem to be random. There's something happening within nature, in the seasons, in creation, that seems to have some larger governing guidance the way the world works. This idea of this organizing structure or this divine guidance overarching the world kind of move from nature and creation into into our thinking, into history, into events. So, but the, by, by the time we get to Jesus' day, this, this concept, this principle of organizing, this, this divine order to life was called the logos, the Greek idea of this divine organizing principle. When John pins his gospel and he says, in the beginning was the word, that word, word, in Greek is logos. John is saying to every Greek reader, you're right. There is something divine in the world. You're right. Life is not just random accidents, but there is a, a governing principle over creation, over the world. You're right. There is something more happening in our lives, something that we're to honor, something that we're to be aware of, something that we're to serve. But that governing principle of organizing divine structure over the world and our existence is not a principle, it's a person. It's a person. And it's Jesus. It would have been like a thunderbolt going off in the Greek world. What John had just written, who John is saying is the one who was in the beginning, is the one who holds all things together, is the one by whom all things are created for. This is what we begin to realize. John's bringing it forward. John's bringing this principle out that behind creation, behind order, is not a principle, it's a person, it's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God.
What a fantastic idea. What, what, what a statement that here's something John is kind of giving us a distinct personality to Jesus. That he is separate in some way, distinct in some way within the Godhead. Now there's all kinds of ways in which we begin to build out our understanding of the Trinity. And this is certainly one of the verses among many that we begin, and that would be a, another, another sermon altogether, but you can begin to look at Jesus' baptism where the Father speaks, the Son is present, and the Spirit descends. You can be looking at the commissioning of the disciples in Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus sends them out to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here's another one, that Jesus in the beginning was with God. Now, there, there, there are two Greek words for with, and one of them is more intimate than the other, and that's the one that John uses within this passage, the more intimate with. In other words, you could look at this passage, and it could be stated that, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was close to God, or that the Word was towards God, or even a more intimate translation would be that in the beginning was the Word, and the word was face to face with God. John's talking about something really special about Jesus and who he is in eternity, who he is in the Godhead, that we realize that there's something more happening and that in the beginning, right, there's always been close fellowship. In the beginning, that God actually existed in a relationship and in fellowship with, him, with himself. Now, this is a Fantastic idea, because consider this. It means that before everything else existed love, fellowship, community, relationship. Before creation itself, God existed in relationship, community, and fellowship. Which means he didn't create because he needed something. He didn't create because he was lonely. God created out of an abundance. God created out of, out of relationship, out of fellowship, God created. It's why he can be so gracious to us because he doesn't need us in the same way we think about being needed or God being lonely. God doesn't need our worship. God doesn't need our service. God is content, happy, satisfied within his own community and it's out an overflow of God's abundance that he creates you, that he creates us. And if the image-bearing qualities of our lives towards God mean anything, it means your life is headed towards relationship, fellowship, community, love. Older than creation itself are these things true about God that now become ways and we reflect this image move towards this work that God is doing through Jesus because through Jesus we find ourselves now in greater fellowship, in greater love, in greater community. Not only was the word in the beginning, not only was the word with God, but the word was God. I love John helps us with this. The word was with and the word was. So when was the word? In the beginning. Where was the word? With God. What was the word? The word was God, was God. There's this term within uh, theater called breaking the fourth wall. You may be familiar with this. We, we see this in movies too. But it originated in the theater and, and the, the idea is that the actor's on stage and there are three walls that the actor is kind of aware of. There's the back wall and there are the two side walls. But this fourth wall, this fourth wall is what separates the actor from the audience. And every now and then, an actor will break the fourth wall. 
In other words, the, the actor becomes aware that there's people watching and the actor reveals something. The actor begins to speak to the audience uh, and, and they, they connect in a way. And when an actor breaks the fourth wall, you, you find out something you didn't know before. There, there are insights that you get. There's an intimacy that is created when all of a sudden the actor looks at you and tells you something different, new, special about the story. Ferris Bueller, good example of this, right? Classic movie, opening lines, Ferris turns to the camera and says, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't slow down a little bit, you could miss something, right? He, he invites us into the story in a, in a special way. And every now and then throughout the movie, you're waiting for Ferris to turn to you and just kind of talk to you directly. What does it mean? What does it mean that God stops, breaks the fourth wall, and writes himself into the story? What does it mean that Jesus in the manger is holding the universe together and yet is present with us? How does that, how do we understand that? What do we learn? What do we get when all of a sudden God, who is transcendent outside of time, right, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, enters into the story, how does, what happens when the creator becomes a creation? What happens when the author writes himself in as an actor to be part of our lives? Imagine what we learn. Imagine what insights that we're given. Imagine the intimacy that is created when God does that in this way. Listen to what Hebrews chapter one tries to get its mind around this very idea. It says in verse one, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he was spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. What do we learn about God when God enters into creation itself and moves and breathes with us as he holds the universe together? What a fantastic statement John is trying to revolutionize us with. John is trying to change our minds and our hearts right at the beginning of his gospel. And what we begin to realize, these things, a few reflections. One, we realize that that the word means God's expressive, that God is expressive. I, I'm married to an expressive spouse. Uh, if, if you know my wife at all, uh, she says what she thinks. Uh, there's very little mystery uh, about who she is and, and how she functions. And after almost 30 years of being married, can I tell you that it's a gift to me to know what she's thinking for, for there not to be confusion about that. In fact, if, if Jennifer is quiet, like there's a problem, right? I, I realize I'm in trouble, something's going on, like there's something, if, if there's not just a constant flow of thoughts and communication, when, when John says that Jesus is the word of God, he's saying something that God is expressive. God just doesn't speak from time to time. It's God's very nature to express himself. God is not withholding things from us. God is exuberant. He's communicative. He, he's ongoing. He's social. That Jesus to be the word of God means that God doesn't want to leave you in the dark 
about what's going on in the world, about who he is, about who you are, about what real life is. That God is intentional to give us words, to speak to us, to, to tell us what we need to know that we might experience life. He isn't quiet. And Jesus coming, being born to us, says something altogether now is taking place. There's a better story. There's something happening for your life. There's something that God is going to do through Jesus that is going to change you and renew you and bring you life. And God's telling us that. Jesus is his word to you. I know we all think about God kind of speaking to us in real time, just moment by moment about the details of our lives. We, that sounds wonderful. But God is not done talking to you about Jesus, through Jesus, through his work, through God's scriptures and, and the word. God continues to bring out his word to us to point us to where real life is, to where real joy is, to where light is and life is through Christ. God doesn't want to keep you in the dark. God's expressive. The word means God's expressive. And the word, Jesus, is God's ultimate insight into who he is and his ultimate expression that he gives to us about himself. Jesus is God's ultimate expression that he gives to us about himself. Listen to what 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. And we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Listen to what John says. John's saying like, we've seen him. We've touched him. I, I laid my head upon his chest. We know this word of life that has come to us, who is eternal, who offers everyone life. Now we're telling you, we're writing to you, we're making sure that you don't miss out on it, that you too have life, that you too be the fulfillment of our joy. Our joy would be complete when you also know what we know, that the word of God has come so that you might have life. The word in the beginning that was with God, that was God, means this. God has always been like Jesus. Think about that. In the beginning was a word that was with God and was God. It means this, God has always been like Jesus. We get in this place, we get stuck at times, kind of looking at the Old Testament, looking at the New Testament, kind of look back into the Old Testament and God seems pretty mad about stuff, avenging things. Right? There's, there's, there's wrath, there's anger, there's these battles, there's a lot of stuff happening and God seems a bit judgy in the Old Testament. We kind of glance over the New Testament, ah, Jesus, it's forgiving, it's compassion, it's mercy, it's love, there's grace. So we kind of lean over here and we're not quite sure what to do with the Old and the New Testament, but we sure do like what we see in Jesus. And what John is saying is like, what you see in Jesus is God. It's him. It's him in a way that you can finally understand. It's a finally touch, finally see, finally connect with. He's speaking to you so that you know what is most insightful, what is most true, what you can understand about God we know through Jesus. 
God's never been unlike Jesus. John avoids the whole dichotomy of the old and new and kind of brings them together. And it's Jesus, and he was there in the beginning, and he was with God. He is God. How does that change your life when you begin to realize these things that you love about Jesus, forgiveness, sacrifice, mercy, grace, these qualities that we see him offering out, these are the things that God wants you to know about himself, who he is. Because Jesus is God, because Jesus is God, we can trust the cross. Because Jesus is God, we can trust that what happened on the cross happened. Listen to what Martin Luther says. Martin Luther says, if Jesus is not God, then he's nothing. Don't, don't, don't model your life after him. Don't, don't lift him up. Don't think of him as a good moral teacher. Don't think of him as insightful. If Jesus is not God, then he's nothing. Martin Luther goes on to say this. If Christ is not true and natural God, born of the Father in eternity and creator of all creatures, we are doomed. For what would Christ's suffering and death avail me if Christ were merely a human being like you and me? As such, he could not have overcome the devil, death, and sin. He would have proved far too weak for them and could never have helped us. No, we must have a Savior who is true God and Lord, who loves and is over sin, death, the devil, and hell. Martin Luther gets it. it he understands that the work that has to happen in humanity, in the human heart, is greater than what you and I can accomplish. It's a God-sized task. And right out of the gate, John is saying, Jesus was God. You can trust the cross. You can trust what he did. I told this story to the young adults a month or so ago just to illustrate this point. Uh, I'll share it with you too. I love, love my brother Hayden here. And I, you know, I see Hayden, he's walking down the street one day and uh, he doesn't know it, but there's a bus coming. And this bus is going to hit him. He's completely unaware of it. But I see him. I see the bus. And I, I jump into the street with a second to spare, push Hayden out of the way. He's a big guy. I push really hard. Hayden is saved. Um, but the bus hits me and I die. Did I give my life for Hayden? That's, did I give my life for him? Actually, I didn't. What I gave Hayden was a few years. He got a few more years. I lost a few years, but I didn't really give him my life. I can't give him my life. My life is indebted. My life is owed to God. Because of, because of sin, I don't, I don't have a life to give. Everyone's life is indebted. Nobody has a life that they can truly impart and give because of sin. And there's, that's always been the case until Jesus. Jesus is the first truly free person who could give his life because he hadn't sinned, because his life was his own. And so when Jesus goes to the cross to die for us, to become our sacrifice, our ransom, our atonement for our sin. Jesus actually gives us life, and it's not just any life, because Jesus is God, it's eternal life. And because of Christ's sacrifice, Jesus now gives me eternal life. I can now experience real life like I never could before because of him, and it can happen because Jesus is God. He's more than a man. He's God. He was in the beginning. 
He was with God. He was God. And because of Christ's sacrifice, because of what happened on the cross, you can experience life. You you can't know Jesus apart. You can't know God apart from Jesus. He's what we've been given. We can, but we can know him through him. The inverse is true. The world is never gonna understand who God is apart from Jesus. Because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the heart and insight, the intimacy that God wants to share. Jesus is, in the flesh, the one who communicates what God wants humans to know about him best, beautifully. John saw it. He touched it, felt it, held Jesus at one point and said, the word of life has been given to us and I want you to know him too like I do that you might have eternity born in you and start over. What an amazing outset to John's gospel. He didn't want you to be confused about who Jesus is. And my prayer for you this morning is as you approach a time where we are celebrating and giving gifts and we are caught up in nativity scenes and lights and decorations, they are all wonderful things. That the deity and divinity of Jesus would become stronger in your life. And that you would realize when we gather around and celebrate a child laid in a manger, we're looking at God himself who has given himself to us that you might know him, that your life might be changed, that you not be kept in the dark wondering what God is and who he is and his plan for your life, but you might hear it and see it and believe it in Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh man, for what we celebrate in who you are and what you've done and how John purposes his gospel to show us that you are Christ, our God. Thank you that you have spoken in the most human way possible, giving us your inmost thoughts and heart that Jesus, you, before before creation, in the beginning, have now become man in order to reveal the Father and bring men close to you, to give them access to eternal life through a real cross and a real resurrection. Could we leave here more encouraged? God, could we leave here more in wonder? Could we be amazed at just how small and quiet you entered into this world and yet the great change that you want to make in each life and where the world is going because of you, because of what you've accomplished. So God, increase our wonder, increase our awe, increase our worship that rightfully rests upon Jesus who was in the beginning, who was with God, who was God. And it's in his name we pray, amen.